In T-minus three, two, one, we begin the fun. Touring our way through the NBA from that big, big apple to the place by the bay. Is your mind buckled in? Because it's time to begin. Seiko and his friends are doing it again. The Hang Time Podcast is the spot, so sit back, relax, because the show's about to drop. Welcome into the Hang Time Podcast. Seiko Smith, your host here in Atlanta. And no reason in delaying the festivities this week. My main man, John Schumann, is on as well. Shoe trade deadline, another busy one. We had a we had all kinds of activity last season at the deadline, and again, we we doubled back with even more this time around. Who are the who are the teams just right off the top who who sh- did things that made you st- sit back and say, "All right, this changes the game. This this is a potential game changer move here." That's a good question because I don't think anything like overwhelmed me and thought and made me think, okay, this changes the title picture at all. Um, you know, Miami in the East obviously um, didn't go all in completely because they didn't get the sort of the Danilo Gallinari half of their uh, trade done, but they obviously um, uh, went in on, on trying to win more this year with, uh, trading for both Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder from from Memphis, um, and I'm be fascinated to see how that works out. Those are two guys that obviously uh, improve their defense. Their defense has been a little disappointing. They're in like they're not in the top ten, which is surprising for a for a Heat team, which has you know been consistently in the top ten since the day the Heat Miami Heat were born. Um, and so I think they help on that end. I'll be curious to see how it works out offensively because these are two guys who do not shoot the ball well. Like on catch-and-shoot threes, I was looking that up today, they're both around like 33% over the last few years. And Miami ranks second right now in catch-and-shoot uh, three-point percentage, right around 40%. Um, and so if those guys take minutes away from guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, um then there, I think the, the offense might take a step back. I, I you know, I love, I, I still think Iguodala is a sort of a positive on the offensive end on a team like Golden State where his IQ plays a role because the ball moves so much and he's just a, a brilliant passer. Um, but Miami ranks in the bottom 10 in both ball and player movement, so he's not an ideal fit necessarily on that end of the floor uh, with the Heat. Um, but, I mean, obviously a veteran who is going to defend, both of those guys are guys that they can stick in front of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Ben Simmons, Pascal Siakam in the Eastern Conference and will do a little bit better job than the guys they had um, in that regard and allow Jimmy Butler to play the passing lanes, which is what he does best defensively. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody in the league that plays passing lanes better than Jimmy Butler um, and if he doesn't have to sort of take the one-on-one assignment uh, against the other, the opponent's best players in the playoffs, that will free him up a little bit more, I think. I, I love the Crowder, you know, piece as well, Shu. Um, and to me, this is this is the Heat kind of recognizing. All right, we we, we made a, a surprising step up this season with Jimmy and some of these young guys coming along. We need to strike while it's hot and and. We don't always see that at the deadline. We don't see teams tinker or tweak at the deadline if they think things are going well. You look at the top three teams in the East, they didn't do anything. You know, the other team, the other top teams in the Eastern Conference did not dive in at all, which I was surprised that Danny Ainge did nothing 
I thought, mm, might try and find a big man, might try and, you know, do a little something. What does it say to you that Miami is going all in right now when the other teams maybe feel a little more comfortable or a little more hesitant to do something? Well, I mean, I think the mark, first of all, the market is a little bit diff- was a little bit different this year than it was last year when Toronto went, uh, made a trade, uh, when Milwaukee made a trade, um, when Philadelphia made a big trade, obviously to get, uh, Tobias Harris. So that's part of it. Um, Miami, you know, they're in fourth place, but they've been really, they've got the best record in games between those top six teams in the Eastern Conference. So they've had some success against these other good teams. Their record is somewhat inflated because they've been really good. Like they've, well, they eight no in overtime games or something like that, um, which is, you know, a little bit lucky, uh, let's be honest. Um, but I think it's there. I don't, I mean, the East is open. I think, you know, as dominant as Milwaukee has been, I think we all, or, you know, nobody is going to believe, oh, I don't know if to say nobody, but it's, it's uh, more difficult to believe in them uh, given their sort of playoff failure at the end of uh, last season, losing four straight and knowing that they do have a vulnerability in regard to opponent three-point shooting. Um, so, hey, you know, I, I like it. It's, you know, it makes things a little bit, spices things up a little bit in that, in that East. Um, I still think the East will be fun just in, in regards to teams one through six, all having sort of the ability to beat each other um, come playoff time. Um, you know, I think it'll be, I, I, I would be shocked if Milwaukee doesn't make the conference finals, but I think after that, you know, who the heck knows is, is going to happen. Obviously, Philadelphia has to get some, some things in order. Yeah, we'll get some people out of there. Um, I, did you think that the the Clippers, I mean, I, being on the NBA TV's trade deadline show, Tom Penn and I were talking and um, Steve Smith and Wes Wilcox, Matt Weiner, and all of us, we, we were struck by just how shrewd the Clippers were in, in the moves they made. They're already everybody's or a lot of people's pick you know, to get to the conference finals and potentially get out of the West and win it all. Um, I, I love the Clippers lineup. I love what they can throw at you. But I didn't think they had to mortgage anything to do it. Like, they still kept it. They preserved their depth, you know, and kept kind of the key components of that roster. Yeah, attack. I mean, I guess they they they, they threw in their, their – they sent their first-round pick to New York, which maybe gives them a little bit less opportunity to, to – pounce on something come, you know, uh, come June or July. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're obviously mm-hmm. trying to win this year. I, I don't think we can think of Harkless as just a sort of a throwaway. I think he's a better defender, more active defender than Marcus Morris. Um, although he's smaller and less strong. So Marcus Morris will, uh, you know, give them a little bit more size defensively, which is maybe what you need alongside, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, just somebody with a little bit more size, maybe who can take the Anthony Davis assignment um, from time to time in a series against the Lakers. Um, and obviously he's a, he's a better offensive player. I mean, he's fifth in the league in three-point shooting. He's had a remarkable shooting year um, and, can, and can create a shot for himself late in the clock in a late clock situation where he, you know, the ball ends up in his hands with, you know, four or five seconds left on the shot clock, he can 
you know, he can get to a one dribble pull up if he if he needs to. He's actually hit some big shots down the stretch of, of close games for the Knicks in the last few weeks, just in, in ISO situations. Um, so yeah, it's a big, it's an upgrade offensively, defensively. Um, I guess it depends on the matchup. Cause like I said, Harkless was near, uh, you know, was I think second on their team behind Kawhi as far as deflections. Um, so he's not, I don't think he's just sort of a, a throwaway. Um, but yeah, obviously an upgrade and, you know, Lakers have been the better, better team overall. Clippers, Clippers are two and zero head to head. You know, it's going to be fascinating to see what goes on with those teams. And I don't think we should count out, you know, teams like Denver um, and Utah and even Houston in the Western Conference. Yeah, we'll talk about Houston in a sec. Shoot, um, the the Timberwolves, a team in disarray. You know, from I mean, I don't even know what to make of how quickly they they let go of that rope early this season and things got out of hand. They finally get D'Angelo Russell in the fold. Andrew Wiggins goes to the Warriors. There'd been so much chatter about Wiggins when they gave him, you know, when he when he got that big contract in Minnesota, whether or not he was living up to it or whether or not you felt like he was a guy who could play up to that sort of, uh, you know, that – that level of compensation. Do you like D'Angelo Russell on on the Timberwolves roster? I don't know that it moves me one way or another, but I, I'm intrigued by what Andrew Wiggins could do potentially with the Warriors next season when they get Steph and Clay back. To, I, I really like it for the Warriors. I don't know how I feel about it right now well, for the Timberwolves. Let's say that the Timberwolves went from this is not working with Andrew Wiggins to – Maybe this will work with D'Angelo Russell. So maybe that's an upgrade, you know, like (laughs) we knew the Wiggins thing wasn't working out. Um, And then obviously D'Angelo Russell placates Carl Anthony Towns, but that combination right there is not very good defensively. And so I don't necessarily see them improving on that end of the floor unless, you know, guys like Josh Okoge and Jarrett Culver become, you know, two of the best defenders in the league um, while also improving their shooting. Um, So, you know, I think it's definitely a wait and see situation with Minnesota. I think it's hilarious though, that the, the, the most, the biggest headline move came out of the 14th and 15th teams (laughs) in the teams in 14th and 15th place in the Western (laughs) conference. Um, As far as the, the Warriors, first of all, let's just say like, as as bad as people think Wiggins' contract is, it's the same time frame as Russell's and five additional million dollars on the... So Wiggins, after this year, is three years, 95 million. D'Angelo Russell's is three years, 90 million. Um, Russell, I, I guess, you know, uh, you know, the Warriors decided to punt on, on the D'Angelo Russell experiment. I, I was one of those who was not uh, optimistic about him working out long-term in Golden State. Um, and it's not just about necessarily they have, they already have Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson. It's, it's more about his fit in just their system and what, and the way he plays. Um, he's more of a ball stopper. He doesn't um, move much without the ball when he's off. I mean, he's a, he, he can be a brilliant pick and roll player, a, a great shooter from the perimeter 
and um, and and a good, very good passer in pick and roll. But like, if he doesn't, if he's not playing pick and roll with the ball in his hands, then his his value diminishes quite a bit offensively, and then that obviously doesn't make him a very good fit in Golden State, where guys when they give up the ball, keep moving, you know, like a Sean Livingston, just think of him, you know, just moving around Curry, even when he gives up the ball, moving around and relocating. Um, and so I don't think he was a good fit. And obviously he's not, he was a terrible defender this season and has, you know, the book, the Nets maybe got a little bit better defense out of him last year than he had played in the past, but um, I don't think he fit now Wiggins, who knows? Um, they got to get him to play some defense. You know, he's an average, he's like a below average catch and shoot right. guy, which obviously matters in that system. Um, around 36% on catch and shoot over the last few years. Um, they got to get him to defend. You know, like they have to. I mean, it's there. I mean, it's. <laughs> he's got the, the, the size, the length, the athleticism to be. A plus defender, it's just never Everything, showed yeah. up, and and that's um, a focus thing. It's a you know, so it'll be fascinating to see. Um, you know, they've got a few months to sort of integrate him into, or a couple months to integrate him into their system and and start changing his habits before it really matters. So I guess that's a good thing. Um, I think I guess the the question is is with Golden State was, you know, they were going to need a wing, right? Like they have Steph and Clay and Draymond Green and Looney, who Absolutely. I think hopefully can get healthy and 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 be a long-term um, solution at center for as long as they need a center. But they needed wings. And I was a little surprised they gave up Glenn Robinson. I thought he might have been a piece they could have kept in the summer as a sixth or seventh man. Um, I guess Alec Burks has probably played his way out of a contract that they could have afford, afforded, but I, I was a little surprised they gave up on Robinson. Um, but they, yeah, they needed wing, right? So the question is, could they, was this the best wing they were going to get in a D'Angelo Russell trade? Um, and that's, you know, who knows what the answer to that question is, you know, what wings will be available um, in the trade market come, come July or even next year at some point, um, as if, you know, would, would, yeah, like, would there be a better wing they could have well, got in that sort of same, well, in that sort of same sort of trade structure? Well, I think about what they could get in the draft, too, shoot. I mean, depending on where they land in the draft with an yeah. Anthony Edwards type out there, you know, I mean, there's some possibilities. It'll be a young guy that they will have to, Yeah, you that's know, the thing. Like, Seth Clay and Draymond are ready to win right now. The draft is not considered very strong, right? And even with the worst record in the league, they're not guaranteed any, you know, they're not guaranteed a top three pick. So who knows, um, you know, how that'll work out. Right now, it looks like the Knicks had the worst record in the league last year and missed out on the two best players by far um, of the last couple of years. So we'll see. I'm trusting the I'm trusting the Warriors culture too. Maybe and maybe that's a, a mistake on my sure. part to trust that their their culture would be able to take a guy like Wiggins and get the best out of him. I'm I'm looking at him and saying to myself, if he's a if he's in the Harrison Barnes spot on that roster, you know, because you got to think we went they went from Harrison Barnes to KD, and now whoever you have now has to 
slide back into that same spot. We know it's not going to be a player of, of Kevin Durant's caliber. Um, so it yeah. has to be somebody that's that's a complimentary fit at that spot as opposed to being a, a, a number one or two option. And I, I just felt like Wiggins in yeah, that on spot, paper, in that system, sounds good to me. Yeah, on paper it sounds great, right? Like on paper he is a comp- he is he is a very good complement. It's just on the floor, is it going to be consistent enough? Is it going to, I mean, is he going to show up in big games? Is he going to um, fit in defensively where he uh, knows what he's doing in that system, makes the right decision, you know, makes the right decisions defensively as far as switches and not switches and help and all that stuff. Um, we'll see. Uh, the one thing I don't, um, that scares me a little bit is that the Warriors are not a team that discourages mid-range shots. Um, even so, in previous years they had Steph, Clay, and KD, three guys who have the license to shoot wherever they want. Right? If you know, if you, even if you're an analytics-friendly team, and Steph takes a mid-range shot, you're like, okay, fine. KD takes a mid-range shot, no worries. Clay Thompson, no worries. But even this year, without those three guys, they rank third in the percentage of their shots that are mid-range. So they don't exactly, even these with these lesser shooters, they don't exactly discourage that kind of stuff. And Wiggins is just a guy who has fallen into the mid-range trap quite without being nearly as good a, of a mid-range shooter as those other guys. He, like, he shoots like 36% or 35%. I think he's 34% this season from mid-range. Which is not good, and he cut he cut down on his mid range a lot this year with um, Ryan Saunders sort of going to a more of an analytics friendly shot selection. Um, but that's the one thing that scares me a little bit that they that he's going to have a little bit too much license to to shoot those shots again, and and they're just they have not been good for him. He needs to get to the basket number one, um, and he should have the space to do that in the Warriors uh, system. Um, and and then catch and shoot threes. That needs to be the bulk of his uh, sort of offensive uh, uh, repertoire, basically. My only concern, and, and maybe it's misguided, but I'm worried also about if, if if he had trouble with Jimmy Butler and some of the other players, veterans who came through Minnesota, Draymond's going to chew him up like I mean, Draymond will run him over and just, I mean, he's going to have to really brace himself for the culture and go with the (laughs) Warriors. Like, he's going to have to understand that while Steph might be the face of the franchise and, you know, Draymond is the guy who sets the tone, you know, for them in terms of how they work. And I'm hoping that that's not going to be something that that makes Andrew Wiggins retreat, you know. We'll see. I mean, I think Steph could be the good cop in that situation. You know, he's still he, he's not. It's not like he's not a leader at all, and and can't uh, be in Wiggins's ear uh, in addition to Draymond. You know what I mean? Like Draymond could be the bad cop. Steph can be the good cop in that kind of situation. Keep him on. Keep him moving forward. Let's say. <laughs> um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm fascinated. Like I like. I said, you know, Minnesota went from this is not working to maybe this will work. Uh, I think Golden State went from, eh, I don't know if this is going to work to, eh, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, <laughs> But they got a first-round pick out of the deal, I guess. And then maybe that, you know, 2021 first-round pick from Minnesota um, 
that's a, a juicy little trade asset that they can use uh, going forward. Do you are, are you ready to to buy hawk stock yet? Do you, do you feel like the Hawks made some some uh, low key power moves to put themselves in a better position this season and certainly next? I'll be. I mean, I really liked John Collins as a role man. Like, I don't think there's anybody that sort of set a screen and then was at the basket quicker than John Collins. Like, he's got to be the quickest sort of pivot and roll guy in the league, So, and, and obviously a, a great lob catcher. So I think adding Clint Capella sort of diminishes his Collins' value in that role, obviously, because he's going to be playing alongside Capella, and Capella is now the role man because Capella does not shoot outside five feet and – uh, Collins does, but Collins isn't a bad three-point shooter. Like I think he's about league average. So, and if he if he takes some of his sort of above the break threes and turns them into quarter threes, then then uh, if, you know if he's spacing more to the corner than than top of the key, then I think maybe his three-point percentage goes up. Um, I think it'll help them defensively, obviously, where they need more help uh, than even on the offensive end. Um, and you know what? I like the scowl Labissier a little. They basically got him for nothing. Yes. Um, yeah, I like the big body. Yeah. Yeah. Full disclosure, like I'm a I'm a mark for role players. So like I like role players more than I like stars. Just it's just sort of my thing. Like I like role players that play hard or active guys and and play self unselfishly, play smart. Um, and so I've liked Labissier this year when I've watched him. I think he's an active dude. Gets on the glass. Um, you know, still needs to polish needs some polish to his game, but I like him um, as a free addition, basically, to that team. Um, and so we'll see. I think, obviously, they're playing the long game. and But, I, you know, Capella definitely just gives them um, uh, more of an inside presence, and then they obviously have a ton of young talent on the perimeter that just needs to get better. So, I mean, it, for me, it, the Hawks, like, it's all on their player development system. Can they turn... Uh, guys like Hunter and Reddish into um, plus players on on both ends of the floor. Like they obviously have to uh, improve defensively as well. So we'll see. I I, I do. I, I guess I do feel a little bit better about the Hawks than I did um, a week ago. Right. Right. And I mean, I know I know Dwayne Dedman pushed over the top one, yeah. here since he's uh, role player. Except role player. You know, yeah, that's the, the quintessential role bit, player. Um, too much for, for the role that he plays, but um, obviously the Hawks had a ton of flexibility as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, they limited their themselves as far as taking other guys into trades going forward, but, um, you know, who knows what, it would, what, what would have been available in that situation uh, come July. Yeah. The last trade I'll, I'll bring up, and it's just – I'm still trying to figure out what is going on. Is Andre Drummond to the Cavs? Like that's a, that's in the division. You make that deal, um, and you didn't move Kevin Love or Tristan Thompson out if you're Cleveland. I'm trying to figure out how all this is supposed to work. I'm not sure. I, I really, um, I. I think you know what's what's interesting about Drummond is that like all the cap like a lot of the cap space for this summer has dried up, right? So if he 
declines that player option and becomes a free agent, where is he getting money from other than if it's the Cavs re-signing him? You know, the Hawks were a team that potentially had cap space, but they just got their center. Um, and so I'll be fascinated to see um, if he maybe opts in, just knowing that this, the money isn't going to be there this summer. Um, it's fascinating from a Detroit perspective because they just said, we are done with Andre Drummond. And they took a second-round pick and and nothing as far as um, players are concerned. Uh, apologies to Brandon Knight and, and John Henson out there. but um, So, and Cleveland, I, uh, I assume they've got to think that they will, that there's going to be a Kevin Love trade out there in the summer, maybe, you know, um, I think it's sort of a similar situation with him and regard to like Mike Conley last year, where we all thought maybe Mike Conley gets traded um, before the deadline and it didn't happen. And I remember saying, well, I think he's going to get traded come July. And he certainly did. Um, and so maybe that's a situation where um, it's just easier to make a, off a, a trade in the summer for a, a contract like that than it is in the middle of the season. Um, and so maybe they're moving off of him. Um, remind me what's Thompson's it was Tom, is Thompson on an expiring contract. I'm looking right now. Yes. Yeah, Thompson's on an expiring I mean, contract. So I guess he's gone. I assume he's gone. Yeah. Uh, July 1st. And maybe even would they work a buyout with him? Does he want a buyout? Would I don't know. Is he willing to, you know, take a pay cut to go find a team that that's going to make the playoffs? That'd be that would be interesting to see. He could certainly be a um, an interesting buyout candidate, um, especially for a team like Houston, who big, while yeah. they're going all in, yeah. sort of on on small ball, they could certainly use a guy like that to to help them on the glass um, when they need it. Um, so we'll see. Um, that's an interesting one going forward. I, I don't know why the Cavs want Andre Drummond. I think as a as a even long-term as a fit. solution. Yeah, why do I mean, why do you even yeah why, yeah why do you make that trade? You're not you're in last place right now. You're not doing anything this year. Why do you make that trade unless you think unless you want him next season? And then the question is, okay, well, why do you want why do you want him next season? And maybe he they think he can shore up a defense that's been awful. You know, uh, Kevin Love has been awful defensively. Their guards are young and small and not very good defensively. Um, Thompson hasn't been terrific on that end of the floor. Um, so maybe they just want somebody who can be a, a defensive anchor, not that Andre Drummond is the best defensive center in the league or anything close to it. Maybe they, they just be – Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. Obviously, he's going he's gonna to help you on the glass um, on both ends of the floor and, and – Maybe they just wanted some sort of uh, stability down there. I don't know. Knowing that they're going to move on from yeah the other two guys. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. This is, the league's in a in a funny place right now. We <laughs> we know everything's going to change dramatically in the East next year if Kevin Durant and and Kyrie Irving do what we expect them to do in Brooklyn. Um, Miami has certainly changed whatever the trajectory of their situation or at least what we thought their situation might, might be going into this season and beyond. I, I just, I like the intrigue. Giannis, of course, depending on how deep the bucks go, 
if can they get to the finals this year? And then Toronto, what happens with their front office? There's just a lot of moving parts in the summer, shoe when we know there won't be the free agent dollars being tossed around that, that we saw last summer. Um, everybody kind of loading up for a summer of 21 in free agency. I All-Star weekend is going to be very interesting. I know, you know, we're all getting together in Chicago next week for All-Star. I'm going to be very curious to see what the conversations are are like, you know, in, in hallways and, you know, in, in, in quiet places, in not too many quiet places during All-Star weekend. But just when people are talking hoops and trying to figure out what the heck is going on, because we know who the front runners are right now. Does that change based on what we saw at the deadline and what we might see in June? Because it's not going to change because anything that's done in the draft. There's not a player in the draft that's coming out that's going to be a game changer that affects the landscape of the league. This is all going to have to be done through player movement of guys who are established already in the league and free agency. And um, and I don't have easy answers. Like normally we have some pretty easy answers. I don't know if there are any right now. Uh, I, I still think Milwaukee in the East is a safe uh I think you can predictably, uh, you can safely, uh, well, I think them making the finals is maybe the easiest prediction. I don't know if it's easy, but I don't know if it's more than a 50-50 shot, but I think them making the finals is, I'm fairly confident that they are just much better than anybody else in the East right now um, and can take care of business in a seven-game series this year. The West, I'm, I, I really don't know what to, to think of just yet because of, uh, just how good the Clippers have been head to head with the Lakers, and then the upgrades that they made. So we'll see. I, I'm I'm fascinated. I'm excited about the rest of the season. Um, even before we get to All Star, there's actually some pretty good games next week. There's a lot of games between between good teams next week. Even before we get to All Star, so I'm excited about that. Um, and definitely fascinated to see how this plays out. It's it, it could be some interesting matchup situations going on in both conferences where we might see some uh, late season gamesmanship uh, just to uh, depending on how matchups might uh, play out uh, in the last uh, two weeks of uh, April. Well, I'm always down for gamesmanship, Shu. Um, <laughs> bring your heavy stuff for Chicago. I hear the snow will be falling. It's going to be nice oh, and no. cold up there. <laughs> Hey, we got cold weather all stars on the calendar for as far as we can see. So it's gonna it's gonna be a long done yep. all star for the next few years, man. But yeah. uh, but bring all your goods. Bring bring the Schumann brain. Um and and uh the first meal is on me when we get to Chicago since you usually pick up tabs. The first one's on me. Oh wow. All right. Nice. I'm looking forward to that. All I right. won't even bring my uh, I won't even bring my credit card. Exactly. You're rolling with your boy. My main man, John Schumann, as always, breaking it down for us here on the Hangtime Podcast. We appreciate you. Uh, The next time you hear from us, we will be on the scene live in Chicago, All-Star Weekend, the whole crew. Maybe, I don't know, Schumann, maybe I'll get everybody together. You, Sean, Mike Wright, Ashburner, maybe we'll sit down and do a roundtable podcast while we're in Chicago breaking stuff down um, from All-Star Weekend. Sounds good. All right, man. Appreciate it. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you right here next time on the Hang Time Podcast. This one is done, but in case you want another one, here's the link to all the fun from Sekou Smith's Hang Time Run. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, NBA.com slash Hangtime, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, Hoops fans. Oh.